Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, the film podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Around the World. We are here for Around the World Week. My name is Brett Stewart. Joining me, Nicole Davis. How are you? I'm well. I know what country I live in, and I don't have to pretend it's a different one. And that <laughs> saves me from a lot of exhaustion. Although, you know, it's, this isn't the country I recognize anymore from when I was a girl. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, David Luzader, is your identity inexplicably tied entirely to your patriotism? You're joining us as well. No, but I'm exhausted. I've had to convince Nicole that she lives in a country she doesn't live in, and really just stretching the limits of that lie is taking all that I have. I mean, you know how many pickle jars I have to dig out of trash cans? It's ridiculous. <laughs> you mean this isn't Denmark? <laughs> That's right. It's not. God damn it, David. Well, before we announce this week's movie, let's announce next week's movie so the fans can follow along. It is You Did This To Us Week. It's the end of the most recent cycle. That means, of course, that you voted. Uh, You voted online. Now, that means the voting's already happened. It's already done. But you can vote in the future. If you just go to MGRPodcast.com, there is a You Did This To Us page, and you can vote, and you can keep abreast of that also on our social media. But the past audience has voted and we will be watching we're watching Doolittle and no it's not the Eddie Murphy ones it's the one where um Robert Downey Jr. kind of just recycles the Sherlock accent and mannerisms with a slightly different accent so woo! whatever I just said in editing so check that didn't, out or didn't even don't. know they didn't even know they rebooted the look who's talking franchise but uh, <laughs> yeah so you did this to us next week follow along this week however is around the world a pick that is international it was david's turn to pick one david what film did you pick and why i picked goodbye Lennon, and why did i pick it uh well i'm i love daniel Bruhl. i think daniel Bruhl's great and this is a great bit of early daniel Bruhl. also i just really like this movie this movie was shown to me in my German 201 class when I was back in college. So it's been quite a while since I've seen it. And it's always a movie that's kind of been in the back burner of my mind. I remember before it came out too, like I'd wanted to see this movie. So, you know, it was an opportunity for me to revisit a film I haven't seen in a decade, but I remember really enjoying and, and get to share with you guys. I feel like this film is a German teacher's best fantasy scenario because everything on reddit is like oh yeah i saw that in german class because <laughs> like they talk a reasonable amount of german oh they t- it's all german i'm it's in subtitles they it's all it's all german it's it's steeped in german culture uh it's inoffensive in its in its language and and pretty much everything else it's political enough without being too aggressively on either side of any particular line it's like the perfect thing for a a high school german teacher of the show well except for the surprise nudity oh yeah except for the dong 
There's a dog. There is a penis. Yeah, but there's a paper that that they have that they can get kids to sign for that. Um, well, also, I was in college when I saw it, so I, they, you know, we're we're all adults there, right? So officially, <laughs> goodbye, Lennon. I'd never seen it before. Nicole, had you? No, I had not. I had not. I had heard of it, sort of like way out in my back brain. I knew it was vaguely political, and that's about it. And Daniel Bruhl, D- David, you mentioned him as to one mm-hmm. of the reasons you picked this. I feel like we should also single him out for those that are not familiar with him, but have surely seen him before. Uh, what major franchise is he currently in? Uh, well, yes, he is a Marvel a Marvel villain. He was in Civil War and is returning in Captain or in Falcon and Winter Soldier, which has actually made me a lot more excited for that show than I would have been. But he was also in Inglorious Bastards, so. The chances that the people who listen to this show have seen him, I would say, are pretty high at this For point. For sure. Very good. Well, let's go through our discussion topics. We have a bunch of them. This movie is steeped in all sorts of different things that we can talk about. Right off the bat, this is a movie that's built around a lie uh, told by a central character. Um, so, Nicole, you asked us, does this genre of the film make a difference? What are other major films, I was trying to think about it, that are centralized around a lie? Well, I was thinking, I mean, The Farewell is yeah. a recent movie that that's structured right. around a, a lie where everybody's lying to the same person. Um, then, but I mean, there are also, what I meant by genre is that I really hate romantic comedies <laughs> that are built around a lie like Roxanne or the truth about cats and dogs or any variation on the Cyrano story, basically uh, where one character pretends to be somebody else um, in order to woo a particular person. And I absolutely hate those because uh, probably because, you know, in a romantic relationship, you need to base that on trust. And so that's, really poor behavior when you're (laughs) lying to somebody from the beginning. Um, But something like the farewell, you know, it's used to illustrate cultural differences. It's, um, it's done out of love uh, for the person, not to try to get their love, but to, but because these people love them and they want them, they want, to protect this person they're telling them this lie so i don't know i mean i, I was sitting and thinking about it because like, i hate 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 it in romantic comedies but i'm okay with it here now I that think you, the, go ahead david I, I was just gonna say i think part of the reason why romantic comedies and it, i don't like it in romantic comedies either i think part of the reason there is that it's they're they're tricking them for no other reason then like I want to get into your pants. Like that is like the premise with romantic comedies is like, I'm tricking you because I want something from you where in this and like in the farewell, they're not tricking them because they want something from these characters. They're tricking them, lying to them because they are doing something for them. I think you hit that right on the money because like I I was thinking about it as Nicole said romantic comedies and then they started coming to my head like oh yeah the trick the trick the lady in the movie is like a very done trait it's the wedding crashers and hitches of the world and it's been done a million times 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very poor role models, I must say. I, I do think this <laughs> this lands in the realm of, of the farewell, though. I, th- I think that this is this is done with an existing relationship um, out of love and out of a desire to, I mean, frankly, out of a desire to not kill the person. <laughs> like <laughs> the, the basis of this film is Alex, our lead character, his mother goes into a coma uh, and she goes into, into a, co- I didn't read the synopsis of this movie. So in 1990 <laughs> to protect his fragile mother from a fatal shock after a long coma, a young man must keep her from learning that her beloved nation of East Germany, as she knew it, has disappeared. So, like I said, she doesn't even know that the the quote-unquote unification uh, has happened. And they're afraid that should she find out, because her identity was so tied to that of the socialist country um, of East Berlin, I mean, East East Germany, uh, they're afraid she'll have another heart attack and go back into yeah. a coma or die. Yeah, and the doctor tells her, because her waking up from the coma was totally unexpected, it's treated kind of as this miraculous thing, and he tells her, you know, if any any shock could send, like, send her another heart attack and potentially kill her. So Alex decides, like, all right, what I need to do then is just preserve her life as she knew it as best that I can. And then wacky hijinks ensue. I remember this movie... <laughs> for some reason being more comedic and I don't know, maybe it was just because I was a lot younger when I watched it and watching it now, just the seriousness of it was so much more apparent to me, maybe just because it was a lot fresher. And I, I realized something too, that now that I'm in my thirties, I remember when I would watch movies of people who were in their twenties dealing with these big life events and thinking like, well, yeah, you're an adult, you deal with these big life events. And I'm watching this movie now where these early 20 year old kids are dealing with a mother who might die and are trying to figure out how to best protect her and like struggle with the fact that she's not going to be with them long. And I was like, these are children. These kids are dealing with this horrible reality. And I think it just hit me so much differently now as, as someone who has lived a bit more life than it did when I was 20. It's interesting you say that. I, I, I think that it has its comedic elements, but I, I would, I heard a lot of folks putting it into the realm of comedy and I just don't necessarily see it there as much as it is. It, it's a really well-written heartwarming, you know, to, to me anyway, tale. Um, I really like it for that. I mean, it's, it's, it's cutesy funny in certain parts when he tries to convince her by redecorating their home to make it look drab again and all the various things he has to do in order to convince her she's still part of the, the you know, the socialist country of East Germany. Uh, that's funny, I guess, but I wouldn't consider it a comedy. <laughs> it's a tragic comedy. It's a, it's a dramedy. Sure, sure, dramedy. Uh, but I actually... But I really I actually, hate that word, but it kind of fits here. <laughs> but to get yeah. back to your main question, Nicole, does the genre of the film make a difference? Um... I mean, you're in on it the whole time with him and you and you weirdly want him to succeed. But while all the other characters around him are pointing out the clear moral dilemmas, to which he is just bulldozing straight through. Um, are you on his side or do you think he should tell his mom? I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously, as it goes along and East Germany becomes more and more westernized and, and more overtly capitalist, um, the lie becomes harder to sustain just Mm -hmm. because there are things like 
you know, billboards and advertisements going up everywhere and people bringing in this wild furniture that they never would have sold anywhere in East Germany. So you wouldn't have been able to get things like that. Um, you know, and I, he does come up with the amusing lie that there are, you know, West German refugees coming <laughs> right. in, fleeing from, <laughs> from the capitalist system. Um, but, you know, out, outside of that, it just, <sighs> I'm not a big fan of infantilizing adults. You know, mm. it's, I think there, are, I was waiting for them to figure out a way to ease her into it for them to like come up with a you know like a five-step plan okay step one we'll tell her this and we'll we'll get her used to the idea that we're suddenly getting west german tv shows you know or something like that and then step two we'll start getting some products that are new kind of thing you know i i was waiting for that and that never happened they just tried to come up with this you know to stick with this complete fake world basically that they've built for her in the apartment and the second she leaves it becomes obvious that things have changed yeah but i think part of it too is like why why don't they go the route of slowly introducing the idea to her to her is because how much her identity is tied into the socialist party and the, and the gdr and you know they they for them that's who their mother is, is this, this woman who is an activist in the socialist culture, who believes in socialism, but is an activist for just more equality under the GDR. I wanted to mention that because it seems to me that when a character's identity in a film is driven by like a, a political party allegiance, it's almost always negative. The person that is die hard for whatever their political party is it has driven their identity we learn early on that this happens because um as the film portrays it in the beginning uh the father runs off to west germany with a girlfriend and never comes back that's what the kids believe until later on and she after depression and bouts of incredible emotional distress and and you know mental disability uh bounces back because she is able to throw herself into serving um, East Germany and, and becomes a fairly well-known figure within that by the look of it. Um, Again, though, almost always that type of character is portrayed negatively. Whereas with her, I really like the way she's written because as the movie unfolds, especially when she wakes up and can talk, she has so many layers that make you see her as, as a person that, Yes, their identity to them in so many ways was this political party, but there was a lot more nuance to it and even much more than her kids ever knew. And I think the movie does a great job with that because there's a lot of, you know, good people and and people that are not villains in movies that are, (laughs) you know, very dedicated to a political party. And and I think that humanizes her in a way. And and I really like that about this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really like that she's she's in this, you know, socialist system, but she is and she she knows that it's not without its problems, but she's determined to work within the system by writing these fabulously <laughs> intricately worded letters to various officials about 
what changes could be made to improve things for everyone. I, so, I enjoy those were some of those. my favorite parts of the movies where her dictating her letters to her friend. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I, just, I really enjoyed those and the, the way that she phrases everything of like, not all comrades are so similarly shaped or something to that effect. <laughs> that's yeah, right. She's writing to some, some other country that's making, uh, you know, government approved clothing that's coming in that just doesn't fit right. And, you know, people come to her to write these petitions and God knows if they do anything. Uh, but you get to see this glimpse of her where you know the kids are growing up and and she's always there in some capacity but as like, this person very dedicated to the party they have like their version of communist boy scouts question mark like <laughs> like and she and she's the troop leader like um i i just I, I like that she's more than a political stereotype and i think i think that the fact that this is a you know a german director um thoughtfully approaching both sides of this quite literally um, made that happen. You know, I, I really like that. Yeah. I, I thought it was really, really well handled and really helps to, to humanize people. Like we, cause we always think of, you know, when you think of people who were like trapped in East Germany and like in East Berlin, like, I, th- I feel like it's so comically the idea is like, oh, they were trapped there and they were so like oppressed and their lives are miserable. And for plenty of people, absolutely true. Not going to say that it wasn't. But there's also people like her and like this family that's like they are day to day going by, getting through and living their life as best as they can. And in some cases, trying to make their lives better as much as they can. And most of them ended up being like Alex as they got older and just really disenfranchised. Now, David, you mentioned in our docket the difficulty of this transition for the old versus the young. And I'm trying to think of another equivalent transition, because this was like the end of the 80s, early 90s. This is not too long ago where you do have this, you know, again, they call it unification, but it's really one country annexing another. Um, And it was a this movie does a great job of showing that's harder for the older people you can tell when they go into the apartments as the movie goes on that some of their more elderly neighbors just don't seem to be rolling with the punches quite as well as the youthful people that can now go work at burger king and and go to raves and stuff it's it's a whole different world to them and i don't think they've acclimated quite as well to it yeah a lot of them lost social status and and their lives changed entirely overnight right i mean especially those who had been you know sort of party loyalists um who had worked for the government is they suddenly didn't have any jobs weren't sure you know they weren't sure what was going to happen in terms of like their retirement benefits or what services they'd be able to to get they they were seen as you know, these stodgy old people and why bother with them by the, the younger crowd. They're like these, these, you know, it's difficult to make that sort of complete mindset change after a certain age. You know, I can't imagine what it would be like if, you know, the U.S. suddenly turned into a version of East Germany. You know, if we if we had the old Russian system where you had to line up for whatever supplies were available and they were distributed vaguely 
supposedly equally, but not. Um, <laughs> it's just, I, I can't imagine trying to wrap my head around it. It's just a lot of information and way of life to assimilate all at once. And I mean, because of the way that East Germany controlled its media is it hit some people all at once, Mm -hmm. like this huge change out of nowhere because they didn't see it coming. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's difficult when you're older to have your, your entire life turned upside down. They, they built that Burger King next day. Soon as that wall (laughs) came down, bam, Burger King went up. (laughs) Right. I did like the seed along with that, where Alex is talking to his mother's old boss and kind cause he's, he's, you know, washed up now. He's a drunk. He, it's really hitting him. This whole change, like really hit him really hard. And I like this is thing that struck me now that I didn't remember from, from first seeing it, that Alex kind of calls him out on it of like, yeah, what's happening to you now is kind of what you did to my mother when we were still in East Germany. Yeah, I read a, yeah. I read a uh, on like ask a historian on, on on Reddit. You can go and ask supposed historians about things, and <laughs> someone had a thread about you know the historical ac- accuracy of this movie. And there were a couple interesting things to that effect, where you did have a lot of party workers in East Germany that were now just completely without purpose or employment, um, and there were certain elements of the populace that, at least at the beginning, were a more westernized. Uh, capitalistic culture should on paper hopefully work better for them you know we as americans at least seem to think that but uh there were parts of this that didn't work so well for some of these people right off the bat you had people particularly women that um had a higher insurance rate of health care in east germany because you could get like communist health care pretty much regardless of employment or gender but then when they went when they when they unified, um, they the unemployment of women in West Germany uh, resulted in a lot of women who had previously had insurance no longer having any insurance. Um, so just like those growing pains of changing your entire economic structure and how that ties to things like your healthcare. Um, really hit a lot of people really hard. And, and this, the opposite would happen too. Uh, if you switched from a capitalistic society to something incredibly socialist, you're going to see s- similar growing pains. But I think that is is more dire on people that are older, um, people, minorities, people that are working for the government that no longer exists. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was difficult for both countries. I mean, you know, West Germany suddenly had a lot more people on unemployment than their system was equipped to handle. Um their the, the people of East Germany, their currency was devalued sharply, uh, not as sharply. It was actually artificially supported. It, it should have been much worse if they were going to go with actual market value uh, of the currency they used to have. But I mean, this was a huge, there were growing pains for everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a difficult tr- transition for a lot of people, but the youth were joyful about it i mean i remember watching this on tv i watched the wall coming down on television and the celebrations going on and it was mostly you know kids in their in their 20s and early 30s who were 
celebrating this because it's opportunity. They still had yeah. time to to change their lives and to take them in new directions. Yeah, right. I mean, you even you even have the the sister. Uh, uh, I'm forgetting Ariane. Ariane. Um, she was she was going to school studying economics. I think it was, and then when there's no East Germany, like her school ceases to exist. So she goes to work at Burger King and she's adapting. She's doing well. She's enjoying her new life. But yeah, this, this, what was in some eyes, you know, I, I, and I'm not looking down at all at people who work in, in fast food or the opportunities that presents to people. I've worked in fast food, absolutely no looking down. But for somebody who was like in education leading towards a degree in economics to like, well, now I'm working full-time at Burger King. It's a very different life path. Yeah, yeah it certainly is. And that's something that, that Alex is, you know, trying to hide from his mom too, is, you know, God forbid she's working at Burger King because that would just be so unheard of in the world that, you know, his mom had had before she went into a coma. Uh, and also, you know, shortly, shortly after she goes into the coma, you have the, the Germans and the world cup, uh, David, you put a note in here about just the rebirth of German pride. Like people were so thrilled. Now, what year did they actually win the World Cup? I believe it was 1990. I think it was the. Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and cool. and this was something that I talked. We talked a lot about in uh, in my German class as well where this is something that had just allowed people to be proud of being German again, because Germany had yeah. a rough history for a while. And yeah. yeah, now they were on the world stage in this really positive light. Because uh, spoilers for Americans, soccer's pretty big or football's pretty big outside of America. It's growing here slowly, but it's bigger in every other country, basically. And they were doing well, and people were, were excited that their country was doing well. And that was huge for Germany in a really positive way, in a way that stuff hadn't been for a long time. Oh, interesting. It actually says that re reunified Germany won its first international title in 1996, but in 1990 was when they actually played as like a unified team because they combined the teams and like took, you know, so like, like, like you said, like that is a rebirth of German pride because you now have, you know, Germans from both sides of the wall playing on the same team. Yeah. <laughs> Side note, uh, it's getting big enough here that here in Chicago, I mean, after there's a pandemic, they're apparently doing it in soldier field. So like big stadiums are now going to get soccer here or football. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the sister, Ariane, uh, stealth MVP, as you put it, Nicole. Yes. Um, Maria Simone. <laughs> the actress. Yeah. So, she's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She's doing a lot with, uh, the smaller part here of the sister who's already got a, a young kid and a new boyfriend, um, Oh, Rainier. <laughs> that love guy. Great. <laughs> with with an in-home tanning bed. Because yeah. keep in mind he's the he's the boyfriend from the West. Yes, yeah. But um you know, she she's the one who's trying to be the voice of reason. The one who's saying, We can't, you know, I'm with you. I want mom to live, obviously. You know, I don't I don't want her to be ill. I see the necessity in starting out her, you know, homecoming this way, but 
this we can't keep this up. It is becoming so d- incredibly difficult. We've got to figure this out. We've got to do something different. And the brother is just insistent. He's you could say that he's fixated on it. He mm-hmm. gets to a point where it's almost obsessive with him. Oh, it's the whole purpose. I mean, of he's his repackaging life. all of the food. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, like and, funnels and you know whatnot, moving labels from one thing to another. Right, and also creating his own news, and you call that as another shout out. Uh, Florian yes. Lucas playing Dennis. He's my favorite character because he's he's his friend that he meets while he's working for you know the Comcast of of Germany. Uh, they're working at you know installing. <laughs> Would you like a satellite dish? <laughs> right, installing satellite TV. But on the side, uh, Dennis is a is a budding filmmaker that's making. Uh, I love when he shows him his his film, and it's like a dude in the dark holding a birthday cake, well, and then he like the walks. Sh- it's the shot from two thousand one, right, right, <laughs> right. And then he walks forward, and and he tries to explain to him what reference it is, and goes straight over Alex's head. But he's such a wonderful character, and they build him his own little makeshift studio so he can be the fake newsman for Alex's mom. Um, and they have to, they have to play on, on the offense a couple times where she sees a, a giant Coca-Cola banner and they have to go out there and pretend that they're filming news about this banner popping up in East Germany. And it's, and this is when the lie starts to go off the rails is because the lie is not like we've struck some deal that Coca-Cola is now served here. Uh, it is that it was secretly an East German recipe all along and the West stole it from <laughs> us. And now we've gotten it back. Yeah. Because for some reason, Alex like seems to feel the need, not only like it's one thing to, to withhold the information from her to try to keep her from being upset and, and potentially in danger. It seems like it's another thing to try to like embolden and intensify her love of the non-existent East, East Germany, which is what he's trying to do at some point. Um, because he even mentions, and, and we'll t- I want to wait for the end of the show to really dive into this, but he created an East Germany for her that he thinks he might have wished that he had. Um, and it's an interesting way to go about it, where he gets so obsessive to the point that he's now crafting an even better East Germany in his mind than what she had left. Yeah, it's like he's building the ideal East Germany, right? You know, the way that she wanted it to be. Um, He's he's providing that for her. I I do want to call out though that like there there's not a ton of movies that really handle like the tender, you know, mother son friendship and relationship as beautifully as I saw in this movie. I know that he goes overboard and I know that it gets weird because he's like taking labels off stuff and filming fake news, but I would do a lot for my mom not to have a heart attack. Like I'm very (laughs) close with my mom and I understand where he's at, like in his head. And I understand his desire to, to try to, you know, um, prevent anything bad happening to her and I, and I just think that's a really sweet element to this movie that's it's beautifully written it's beautifully acted I feel like both these both these actors um, feel authentically genuine with each other as, as a mother son relationship and uh, I, I just really appreciate that about the movie because I can relate to him that way I don't think I'd film fake news uh, but but I would cert- if a doctor told me I had to keep that gag going for a week or so I, I could convince my mom she's in a different country Um you don't so love I get your it. mother enough if you're not going to film fake news for her, Brett. <laughs> she doesn't need to know that Zimbabwe invaded a month ago. You know, you just, just <laughs> right. pull it off. 
Right. Yeah, I, I really do appreciate that relationship as well because they don't go overboard with it because they really could. They could have Alex, you know, tearing his shirt and sobbing at his mother's plight and just like, oh, woe is me. But it's a very realistic portrayal of he's what he's doing is crazy and it's far too much and it's elaborate. But it's stuff that if my if I felt like I needed to do that for my mother, I would do it for her. Yeah, I, I do like that about yeah. the film. So Nicole also <laughs> it's nice points to out to see a, a relationship. Oh, sorry, no, I just ahead, wanted to ahead. say real quick. It's it's nice to see in a comedy that not being pushed because so many comedies take this super easy route of making the mother son relationship unhealthy in some way. Mm-hmm. Like. The the son is just a little too attached to mom and needs her approval for everything or, you know, the mother is domineering or the mother is too interested in her son's life or they hate each other and they're constantly at each other's throats or, you know, what have you. It's it's nice to see a healthy relationship, even if what's even if what the son is doing is bizarre and, <laughs> you know. Kind of beyond the norm, but his love for his mom and his mom's love for him is a healthy thing. Yes. And that relationship is great. Love that relationship. Uh, Laura would have broken up with him a month into this. There's no way yeah. Laura <laughs> At one point, so this is the nurse that, that, that he falls in love with, who is tending to his mom and, and ends up having a very long relationship with. And she even says to him at one point, like, this is unhealthy. You need to stop. You need to tell her the truth. To which this movie responds with another hour of him not telling the truth. <laughs> and Laura still there in the background at family functions going along with the lie. Uh, uncomfortably, unco- yeah. like she protests it, but yeah, yeah. Because right. they, they keep in mind they also have to, they all have to change their clothes when they go and see her because the clothes they're wearing now they never would have gotten in East Germany. Oh yeah, they have to put on you know what would have been like 1980s Kmart fashion in the right. U.S. Um, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> now Nicole, you so. called out a, a potential narrative risk in removing sympathy for the mother when her own secret is revealed and do you still like her when the secret is revealed? So why don't you tell us what, what that secret is first of all? Well, I mean, she originally told her kids when the father left that he abandoned them for a younger woman. He ran off with a younger woman off to West Germany and didn't care about them and didn't write to them ever because that was easier for her than telling them the truth which was that he defected and she was supposed to follow with the children and she got scared and she chickened out and he'd been writing to them for years desperately trying to get them to come and uh, you know because I they never say it explicitly but I would attribute it to the mother not wanting to be pressured by both her husband and by her children to try to leave that that's why she lies to them because she can only take the pressure from one side. Mm-hmm. I, so it, it's, it is a, a difficult thing to learn because so much of the movie has been built up uh, around that their father abandoned them. But I think the movie doesn't 
then turn around and have that scene where she's because I, I think her her reasoning to a degree is very sound. Like I was afraid of applying for these visas because they might have taken new kids away. And I totally understand that. I yeah. totally get that. That is a real risk. The keeping the letters from them is very difficult, but the movie never tries to justify it. The movie never has her saying like, oh, I had to raise you all on my own and I did the best that I could. But they let her, when her secret comes out, they let the characters just react to it. I think in fairly realistic ways, which is just in silence and they have to wrestle with it and deal with it. And then she turns for the worse. So they never really get to unpack it as a family, but you know, that's also realistic in its own way. You don't always get Mm -hmm. culture. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. And, and it, and it's, it is too realistic that you have to make some very morally compromising decisions when it comes to raising children and keeping families together and, and keeping relationships intact and what that means. And, and maybe in her mind it was it was doing more harm than good having a you know a father that was writing to these kids where they could ostensibly never see him um it's it's very complicated and i'm not i'm not totally inclined to to hate her for it i don't lose sympathy for her as a character necessarily um well i mean we see like right after the father leaves we see the police coming over and grilling her about you know didn't you want to leave with him did you talk about all of you leaving you know kind of thing where it's where was this you know the the kind of thing that actually happened like where did this influence come from to try to get you to go and how do we shut this off and how do we make sure that you're loyal 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 to the to the party to the state um and she was very insistent and she had very firm ground to stand on at that time. And, but if she had wavered at all right then, yeah, they, they certainly might have taken her into custody, taken her kids away. Um, so, I mean, I, I get that. I get that. I mean, the, but I have a hard time with that she never tells them. <laughs> until like she's almost dead basically you know she she doesn't tell them until after she's had this huge health scare and she's very frail and it's just your that's unilaterally deciding that it's better for your kids to ha- hate their father than mm. to risk Right. You know, maybe they'll get out if they try to leave. You know, that's that's also a possibility. They might have been able to get out. But yep. maybe not, you know, it's a it's complicated. It is. <laughs> There's a lot of factors to balance. I think it adds an, another I think that's layer. a tough thing to take from a kid. Oh yeah. Yeah, no. It it adds another layer to her character for good or for ill. It it just gives her a bit more depth and you know, it might even have you look at how she threw herself in her devotion to the party in a little bit of a different light. Because if she had convinced herself like, oh, well, now I have to make sure that nobody takes my kids away from me. I have to prove my loyalty to the umpteenth degree to make sure that that no one will ever doubt my loyalty and, and risk my children again for better or for worse. For us as a viewer, I mean, viewing her for better or for worse. I I, th- I think you're absolutely right on that, and I also wanted to mention that I I don't like 
the father's introduction to this film because once Alex finds out, he immediately goes and tries to find his dad and successfully does in, in West Germany. Um, brings him back because the mom expresses, you know, a, a deathbed desire to, because spoilers, she does have a second, um, she ends up having a second heart attack. Uh, though it's weird because the film acts like she never learned, even though she went outside and looked at them airlifting a Lenin statue away. So I'm I'm just not sure where that scene factors in, where apparently she still doesn't understand, <laughs> but they act like she never understood. Um, but they go and they find the dad and bring him back, and, and she, you know, hopefully makes her peace with him in some capacity. Um, it just feels like it's too little too late, both in real life and certainly in the script, where we don't get to learn much of anything about this dad. Um, we never get an opportunity to see him interact with, with, with the daughter at all, only with Alex. And even then very briefly, uh, it's just, I don't think the relationship is served well by being shoehorned into the very end of the movie. Uh, I, I agree, but I don't think they're trying to do too much with it. I think, um, you know, I, I think they don't try to make it seem like Alex and his dad are now okay. They just introduce like the mom's about to die and their life is still going to get complicated beyond that because here's their, their father for the first time. And what does that mean? I don't know. I've always been a fan though of, of movies and shows where it's like, Hey, these characters lives don't end as soon as the camera turns off. Like there's going to be more to them and there's more happening for them. Even after the story that we're telling is over. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's complicated. Yeah, you're right. And the father is at the the ceremony <laughs> uh, for the mother, shooting her ashes off in a uh, firework, which is pretty pretty rad. I love way to that go. idea. <laughs> yeah, pretty rad way to go because you're not allowed to uh, shatter uh, or, or shatter ashes. You're not allowed to shower ashes in in Germany, apparently. Um, well, Let's you're talk- not, it's not generally approved in most places to scatter a person's ashes in a residential yeah. neighborhood. <laughs> right, right. Um, total side jag here. Have you guys ever heard about the whole problem that Disney has with that? Yes. Yeah, oh, Disney yes. just can't stop yeah, people yeah. from like spreading ashes and like the Pirates of the Caribbean water and like the Haunted Mansion. And they're like very specific about like, please stop bringing your dead people's ashes here. There, There isn't a... <laughs> fairly recent episode of uh, Judge John Hodger. That's a few months old now, but the case is about a woman who wanted her ashes spread in Disney and her daughter didn't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> go for it. No one's going to find out. They do, though, apparently a lot of the time, actually. Anyway, um, by the end of the film, Al- Alex is expressing nostalgia for his life in East Berlin. Do you think the nostalgia he's expressing is a reflection of a, of a relationship for his mother or what the GDR could have been very interesting i i mean he he outwardly says the latter to to a certain degree right like this is a gdr he wishes he had had but yeah yeah and i mean it wasn't quite there it was was, you know on the best day when everybody was feeling their most lenient (laughs) are the the happy days that he remembers but it was it was not an easy life for people. It was a well-regimented life, and some people thrive under that. But it was, you know, when you're younger or you have different ambitions than what the state 
allows you to have, then it, it's it's harder to deal with. <laughs> I think and that's why I think part of it too is tied into this is the Germany that his mother wishes it was that things were so good uh, under this way of life that people from West Germany were breaking in. They were climbing over the wall. <laughs> they wanted to be there so bad. And whether or not that's actually how he remembers it, that's how he remembers his mother as somebody who believed in East Germany and believed in what it could have been. And I think he is expressing a little bit of nostalgia of like, this is what she wanted the world to be and, and created that world for her a little bit. So even if realistically, if he were to really think about it, he'd realize, you know, how sad he was drinking beer on a, on a bench in the middle of a day, uh, just lazy and, and kind of pathetic. Like there's part of him that's like, but that was my mother's world. And, and because of their relationship, it's always going to be painted a little bit differently. Uh, in doing research for this show, I, I learned that the term ostalgie uh, is an actual like name for someone in Germany that specifically has um, just an intense nostalgia and even more than an intense nostalgia, um, just a desire for the, the for the social structures uh, that East Germany afforded them when they were East Germans. Um, so much to the point that there are areas, there are entire towns in Germany that apparently are very much under, un, you know, that, that believe this. And there are businesses and certain parts of communities that cater specifically um, to people that, that wish they, you know, they were still in East Germany that, that, that have these, I assume types of pickles and the various things that are the creature comforts <laughs> that they no longer have um, from their youth. And it, it, I found it really fascinating because I had it's so easy as an American to be like, oh, hi, you and your nostalgia for your communist regime. But uh, the world is the world is much it's much more uh, less. It's less black and white than that. And uh, I found that's fascinating that that's still going to this day. And mm -hmm drives a whole certain part of their populace to act a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure there are some people who embrace it ironically, you know, the, the German hipsters who <laughs> think it's cool to, uh, you know, find the bad clothes of the eighties and right. wear those around or, or listen to the, the only music that was available to them back then. And say, no, no, really, this, you know, this band has merit, <laughs> even though they're singing about how great the state is. You know? right. I, yeah, also... I, I don't doubt that at all. So, yeah, but yeah. I mean, you know, at, by the end, you know, as we're talking about it, I'm, I'm starting to feel more and more like he's, he's trying to give her this gift. And, you know, before she goes, that even though she has miraculously come out of a coma and, uh, but her, she's never, she's not going to be super healthy again. And she probably won't be with them more than, I don't know, like 10 years at the outside, I would, I would guess. Um, but I mean, I can't, I can't help but think what a nice gift it would be. For me, if I were to become bedbound and 
you know, was going to pass away in a year if my kids, you know, it's, it's funny. There's a, there's a new season of disenchantment on Netflix where there's a child ruler and he keeps, he discovers the power of making proclamations and he keeps trying to proclaim a socialist utopia, yes. uh, but his handlers usher him away. Uh, but I can't help but think that, you know, if my kids portrayed to me that the the socialist utopia had arrived in the U.S. <laughs> and everybody had health care and everybody had homes and, a, you know, the opportunity to have a job and people with disabilities were actually, you know, treated like regular people and accommodations were not tacked on as an afterthought. And you know, people of different races were getting along, dogs and cats living together. Yeah, <laughs> See now I'm just picturing like like Nicole, like streets. Nicole's kids being like and Nicole's like coming out of the coma and they're like yes Elizabeth Warren won the presidential race <laughs> right uh, and Bernie's her vice president and right. boy are they getting stuff done you know? <laughs> they just put a head in a in a robot that's gonna live forever <laughs> right no I I I think that's I think you know you're the only mom on this I, I I'm interested I'm I'm very interested to hear that from you toward the end of this because. Yeah, I mean that's it's it's a whole different side to this relationship. What's it going to matter when you're gone if it was a lie? Because right. you die thinking that this this thing that you've always hoped for has happened. Oof. You know. But it, it it's a it's a nice idea. You know, unfortunately the movie doesn't it it becomes clear at least to me that you know Lara lets the cat out of the bag and tells mm. the mother yes. flat out that reunification has happened. And so what the mother does in return for her son is lets him, lets him believe that she still believes it. You mm -hmm. know, that's her gift to him is pretending to still believe the lie. And yeah. There's that's kind of a sweet thing too. There's a great scene where they're, they're showing her the, the final, uh, edit that they've done of fake news and it's their biggest one yet where they're showing how you know the east germans are stepping down and all these various things are happening and she spends a lot more time looking at alex who is kind of excitedly looking around the room that he thinks he's you know successfully pulled this off than she does looking at the t at the screen at that point to me in particular it's very clear that she knows exactly what's going on yeah oh yeah but she doesn't. She appreciates what her son has done and recognizes what her son has done. Also, I, I kind of realized that at the point when she tells the kids that she was considering leaving East Germany, decided not to because it would be such a mess with the visas and because she was scared that something bad could happen to them, they could get separated. That made me realize that almost all of this was for naught because I don't think she would have been that upset <laughs> if if uh, East Germany had folded. I, I, I guess it was part of her identity, but I think that's just because she had nothing else. Um, I don't think that she would have had the reaction maybe he was afraid she would have had. I think you're right. And that, Yeah, you're right. I think you're right. I think she she would have been able to adapt better than they think she would have. And this is again, why this is why I have a problem in real life with infantilizing people and trying to protect them from themselves or protect them from the truth or protect them from, you know, some piece of information that you think will upset them is mm -hmm. yes, maybe they'll get upset, but 
maybe not. Maybe they'll be able to roll with it. Maybe they'll be able to handle it. You know, you never know. But, you know, what's why do you have the right to decide what that person learns and what they don't? Mm-hmm. Right. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. And 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 the last question I was going to ask of us, but through our conversation, I, I think I've somewhat answered it for myself. Is is I was curious, you know, did did the movie itself, did the filmmaker, feel a little bit nostalgic for the GDR? Um, because, but then I realized in our discussion, like I was thinking about all the ways he shows of of what is what is kind of wrong with with some of the Western stuff that comes to town. You know, it's the it's the eyesore pop up not that east germany wasn't particularly an eyesore in certain ways to begin with no <laughs> offense um it wasn't exactly uh, paris france but in any case i'm gonna get emails on that um there's like there's like an there's like this element of the way he's portraying these these gaudy advertisements for ikea popping up and used car lots and the daughter works at burger king and hates it and the and the son, you know, doesn't know what to do. And they're all, you know, the, the new entertainment is going to see crazy raves with drugs. And um, there's part of it that makes you feel like the director has a sour taste in his mouth for some of those more c- commercialist um, values of the West. But on the flip side of that, the director also does not shy away from showing you what is broken about this communist regime they're living in. Um, so I don't, I think he falls pretty even as even as he probably could. I mean, he, he tells the story that he's looking to tell and I don't think he, I I never get the sense that they, that the movie wants me to think like, Oh, how great would it have been to live in East Germany? (laughs) Right. And I think that's what I mean is like, there's, I, I, at first I thought, Oh, is there maybe a little bit of a nostalgia, you know, for the GDR? But then the more I thought about it, I realized that, it seemed like a, the film does a good job, I think, of not politicizing either side to the point that you can tell it's trying to make a statement about it. The, the The story of the film is very insulated to this family. Well, no, but I mean, there's there's a little bit, you know, the um, the rave you were talking about actually happens before the wall comes down it's this secret thing going on and like the the lead singer's wearing a mask that makes him look like a fly a fly head and the bassist is painted silver and you know it's sort of this electronic electro punk uh band it you know and it's just kids trying to find some way to entertain themselves in a country where they were a little short of such things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, David, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It's one of my favorite around the world picks in a very long time. Uh, Nicole, what about you? what do you think of your first go around of goodbye Lennon? I, I really enjoyed it. Yay. I really enjoyed it. It's a, you know, I, it's got some interesting things to say. Obviously we found a good bit to talk about. Um, it's a, it's a nice movie. It's one you can see with your mother. Um, except there's, you know, warn except, her about except the, the penis. Except the dong scene. <laughs> yeah, warn yeah. her about the penis. Hey, my mom and my, my sister just watched like all of Bridgerton with my mother. So if oh. they can get through that, oh, then goodness sakes. It's, it's just a moment. They can get through and some dude's sexual. dong hanging out while he hangs up a curtain. So. Yeah, it's not a sexual scene. 
But uh, no, it's not in any way. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) quite the opposite in every possible way. Um, Yeah, David. Any final thoughts on your pick? No, I'm glad that you both enjoyed it, and I hope that it introduces some listeners to the film and that some people check it out who maybe haven't heard of it and hadn't seen it before. Definitely. I think it's well worth a rental, and I'm excited for Daniel Brühl to, to see him again in, in Winter Soldier and the Falcon or whatever it's called. I can't remember. It's on Disney Plus this spring. So that's our non-paid ad for Disney Plus. Um <laughs> Again, You Did This To Us is next week. The voting has already happened. I announced it at the beginning of the show. It's also in our show notes, but be sure to check that out. If it's not something terrible, but it very well and probably is something terrible. Uh, David, where can people find you online? I don't know the username Davluz. It is D-A-V-L-U-Z. Twitter and Instagram. See what I'm up to there. Very good. And you, Nicole? Uh, Letterboxed, Nicole underscore Davis. Very good. You can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. Be sure to email the show. We'd love to hear from you. Hi, H-I at MGRpodcast.com. Again, you can find all the social links we just dropped. If you just want to find a whole page where all you have to do is click through and hit like, like, and subscribe and follow and all those good words, you can just go to social.mgrpodcast.com. But I'll do it myself, David and Nicole. We will see you next week with You Did This To Us. Yeah. <laughs>